Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bunker Mania Wrestling. I am the giraffe, me, Jeremy Graves. I am joined by the captain of the ship, the Decadane, Mr. Ian Bolton. And we are here qu quite literally a few days after the now quite literal as well, world record breaking, making everything in between event that was AEW All In at Wembley Stadium. We were both in attendance of that show, which Perhaps we may have some very different experiences as well, because to be quite frank, Ian, to bring you into the conversation, we have not actually exchanged notes at all about our respective experiences at the show. So this is actually going to be a first time conversation for us. Yes. I was expecting you to say far more than that. So absolutely fine. And on that note, folks, if you're enjoying what you're hearing so far and you're a first-time listener, thank you very much for joining us. Be it on your podcast, be it on your podcast provider of choice or on YouTube. If you want to hit that subscribe button, please do so. We would love it if you did. And while you're at it, why not tell a friend if you enjoy the show as well? But in addition to AEW All In at London, Apparently, there's a WWE pay-per-view this weekend, as well as another AEW pay-per-view. So we're going to be talking very pretty quickly, quite frankly, about the what's the what's the show called? Is it Backlash? No, it's Payback. Isn't no, it's it? it's Payback. Yes, <laughs> I it's mean, payback. to be fair, it's not too it's not far from the same word if you think about it. But yes, yes, uh, Payback is this weekend, so we're going to be touching on a few of the matches that are happening on there because. Yes, folks, there is a WWE pay-per-view this week, or premium live event. Sorry, I'll get a slap on the wrist from, from, from some McMahon up in the higher-up echelon of a company. And, um, yeah, that's, I mean, I'll be quite blunt. I I don't, let's just get on to All In. I can't be bothered to talk about WWE right now. So, All right. Ian, we, got, we both got to Wembley Stadium, and somehow, by pure luck, we managed to run each into each other outside on Wembley Way, which, if you're watching this and are not aware... Traditionally, there is a big, like, sort of street or walkway, if you will, leading up to Wembley Stadium proper. And I sort of went down there with, with Tom, obviously, who's done podcasts with us and such before. And we were just wandering down, and we literally bumped into you. It was quite impressive how we managed to do that. Yes, uh, it was. It wasn't planned either. I mean, I think I did. I think I did send you a message saying, "Oh, where are you?" Because it was just like, oh, "It'd be nice to sort of quickly mm. meet up and say hi in that before before the show." But yeah, it was just like um, myself, uh, regular contributor Harriet Manga Girl, and uh, a couple of our mutual friends. We were just kind of just wandering up and down like Wembley Way, just kind of seeing what the vibe was, who was about that sort of sort of stuff. And then yeah, as we were sort of coming back towards the the steps towards uh, Wembley, it's like, "Oh, look, there's Jeremy and Tom." Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just saying, honestly, we were actually kind of thinking, oh, I wonder how bad the merch queues are. And they mm. were bad. They, so. And unfortunately they were. And it's like, I, 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 I'm ashamed to say that I did this, but basically I, I brought one of the t-shirts that I really wanted off the shop because they were selling them at the shop. I think I don't have the, I was there thing. Yeah. But that's okay. That's fine. Because I have the photos and the videos to show that I was there. Exactly. So yeah. So, but the fact is like, I, I, credit to AEW's uh, merch side of things. They had some really good designs. Really yeah, nice there, there, designs. Yeah, there definitely some nice designs. I think I, because, so Pete behind the curtain and sort of jump forward a tad here. When it came to queuing, Tom had sort of got in the queue before me at the entrance we were at. So we were quite early into the stadium as it were after doors mm. opened so we basically just decided let's just peg it straight to a merch queue and then we waited about 15 minutes and then we got served okay so i think i picked up a t-shirt and also one of those football shirts they have because i actually quite like the design 
Yes, it it was quite nice. I think for for my budget at the time, I couldn't really justify. It. I think it was like sixty five, sixty five. It was for something those in that region, which even I was like, oh man, that's that's just a little bit cheaper than an Arsenal shirt at the moment. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I just thought if there was a really cool cool like memorable t-shirt of the event i think the one i went for it's the one where they've kind of got london written in like the coca-cola style font mm. in, at the bottom it's more it, yeah it was quite a nice like a vintage style one which was really nice but um, yeah I, I think i went for the one which actually had like a, almost an image of wembley stadium on the front of the shirt as well mm. sort of that version so yeah there were some good merch options there and i suppose the next logical thing to talk about is we get in the stadium we're going towards our seats now i knew that the seats that tom had booked himself and I, that we were going to be like in the lower tier, not like dead floor level or anything, but we were Mm. kind of, you know, fairly low down in the lower tier. And I was thinking, okay, well, let's see how this works out. And it turned out we had a clear view of the ring, not completely unobstructed, because there was a giant Panavision crane camera, which could extend over the top of the, I think pretty much either the same height or over the top of the, the structure holding up the big screens above the ring and whatnot. So it was freaking massive. So that was occasionally in our line of sight, sort of moving up and down, if you will. But Mm. otherwise, we had a pretty much unobstructed view of the ring. I couldn't tell you what the entrance ramp looked like because I didn't even know there was one, quite frankly, (laughs) until after (laughs) the show. And I could see probably maybe about two-thirds of the actual sort of little screen entrance they had, which I got to say, looking at photos and videos after the fact, I really, really liked. So in terms of where I was in the stadium... I was very happy of what we had. Maybe in hindsight, I would have liked to maybe we were a few more rows up, as it were, but otherwise, loved the view that I had. Yeah, we were we were kind of we were st- we were also on the lower bowl tier, so like towards towards what it would be pitch side. Um, I think we're about fourteen rows up, um, so we had kind of like a diagonal sort of view of the ring, partially obstructed because we had one of the big metal um, uh, towers that were holding up the giant structure in the middle, kind of blocking like the ring but thankfully the the video screens that they had at the event were really really good so it's kind of like if you couldn't see a lot of what was going on in the ring you could at least see what was going on anyway inside the ring with the video screens mm. um we didn't have any any clear view of the stage but we did have like we could see like the corner side we could see uh slightly the entrance way so when things like for example jack perry versus hook you have the limousine turn up or even or even things like Penta doing doing his ladder ladder splash during the stadium stampede, we were still able to see that sort of stuff. Um, beautiful view of all the pyro going off, though. Really nice mm. lot. And I will say this now: I loved the lots of pyro at this show. It was good fun. <laughs> it was great. And what was really fun as well is because the way it worked out for those who weren't there in attendance is they effectively were showing the TV feed of the event on the big screens. It, it occasionally like just went to an all-in logo when clearly something was being advertised or so it's like a DraftKings promo or something ludicrous like that. Well, what they tend to do, what they tend to do is if they've got the camera of the screen in the background, they will turn it to the logo of the show. They do that a lot with WWE shows. So basically mm. when the camera picks up the big screen that's supposed to be showing all the sort of content, it changes back to the logo just for the just for the illusion that they don't have that sort of weird sort of mirroring or kind of repeater mm. effect going on um and that's why i think with a lot of stadiums you do see a lot of the big screens go up i mean we had obviously we had the two big main wembley ones either side mm-hmm. which were fine they i think they were a little they were less resolution than the ones that were actually around the screen as well um 
but yes, sorry, I, I, I derailed your thought there. No, no, that's fine. I was going to say, but you could tell that from a presentation standpoint, AEW, AEW had thought about this a heck of a lot because they'd even hired a helicopter to fly overhead at various points during the show. And that's when I kind of thought, there may be some pyro going off soon because why else would the helicopter fly over now, <laughs> as it were? Yes. So, and we got to see some of that on the big screens and it did look fantastic, some of the shots they were getting. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched I've watched like little bits and pieces back. I think at time of recording, we're recording this on the uh, 30th of August. So I'm not sure if this is going to be relevant to any UK listeners right now or UK watchers, but I believe a good highlights package of the actual show is showing on ITV4 on the 31st. Oh, so nice. you might be able to get that on catch up if you're listening to it after the 31st. So um, don't worry, but if you haven't bought the pay-per-view, I mean, I haven't bought the pay-per-view, but it's like a lot of the key big pivotal things like entrances and stuff like that are available to watch on YouTube anyway through AEW's channels. But just to kind of watch the event again, you have that option there as well. Um, but no, I mean, looking at those videos, looking at the videos and, and the footage of it, the production team have done outstanding, outstanding work of just making that show feel big as it was. Hmm. Um, because you had the sweeping cameras, you you had the helicopter camera and stuff like that. It just it felt like it felt like a big deal for AEW. Hundred percent agree. When it came to the zero hour show, we're not going to be sort of diving too deep into this, but it's more just again just to give the live experience element of this hmm. a, a notation here. I was unaware zero hour was a two hour show. Same here, <laughs> and. I, so the way this sort of worked out, everybody's like, uh, Tom and I got to our seats and we were just sitting there just taking it all in. And we could see something was going on down at ringside. And I think it was RJ City maybe recording like something to camera. And we just thought, oh, okay, it's probably a pre-tape for Zero Hour. That makes mm. sense. You know, just get it out of the way. And then randomly, a couple of people from the production crew just put a table in the ring. And then they took it down. And then Tony Schiavone stood in the ring, got a great ovation. Then he went out the ring. And then the table was put back up. And then suddenly Powerhouse Hobbs is in the ring and we're getting a segment that's a contract signing for a match at All Out. And as part of me is just thinking, have I missed something? Like, what's just happened? Have I just gone to a time warp? What's happened here? And it turns out that the Zero Hour show was basically a two-hour preview show, having like a few of the matches, but the big draw of it being the MJF, uh, Adam Colby, Aussie Open tag match at the top of 5 p.m., that yeah. was the crux of it. And they also had then a couple of other segments, including, it turns out, Jeff Jarrett and his cronies coming out to run down England with all sorts of foul profanity and such, which I'm sure the dad in front of me with two small children was very happy about. And <laughs> then ultimately led to Paul White, who I eventually figured out was Anthony Agogo because the camera feed wasn't on the screens above the ring. I didn't realize mm. until after they were showing it on the side Wembley screens, as it were. And then randomly, Grado. Which, yes, I've got my opinions about Grado and such, but um, they had a little segment, they did a thing, quote unquote, sent the crowd home happy, and then they went. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the only reason I knew that Zero Hour was longer than an hour at this point is because when they eventually put the camera feed on the screens above the ring, it said an hour and five minutes to go until All In begins. And I just thought, Oh, it's longer this zero hour, is it? Well, that's mm. a that's a false advertisement name, right there, isn't it? Zero hour. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's weird because Ticketmaster was telling everyone you have to be in your, get into your seats for five pm because that's when the show starts. It's exactly. like exactly. It's like well, if there was stuff happening at four, maybe we could have 
gone in a bit earlier, maybe. Hmm. I mean, it's, some people... The, the doors even opened about like 10 minutes late, I think, for us. Yeah, well, ours opened Yeah, ours opened about 25 to 4. But it was, hmm. for us, it was basically, when we went through, it was like our entranceway to our seats was basically straight ahead of us. So it was just yeah. like we could basically go through, and away we go. Um, but yeah, I mean, if that's the thing. I didn't realise Zero Hour was going to be two hours either. So... I think, and considering I was still, I noticed a couple of things on Twitter of people still not in the arena by the time the show had started, mm. per se, the proper show had started. May have been better to kind of say, hey, the main show or the initial show of Zero Hour is going to start at four. We're going to open the doors a little bit. So maybe if they opened the doors maybe an hour earlier, that might have helped yeah. with some of the congestion as well. That's just, that's just me. Yeah, that's just, again, folks, anecdotal thoughts from us having been there live. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of the two matches we got, full disclosure, I didn't see Jack Perry and Hook because at the time I'd stepped out to sort of freshen up if you want to go and get like a drink and such. But uh, I did see the ROH tag title match, which was great fun, quite frankly. Yes. You got to see better than New Bay Bay in their element and they won the ROH tag titles. And at that point, that was a big crux of the show is what's going to happen in this match that's mm. going to impact the main event. And it simply was... They are now the tag team champions. And at that point, my, all my predictions, like I did done the other day with Tom, which is out the window, like, well, great. What's going to happen now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, two things. One, the kangaroo kick was so bloody over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the finest of all kangaroo kicks. Uh, and then obviously double clothesline, because everyone loves double clothesline mm. now. Um, obviously, they, they kind of toyed with the, the sort of... They kind of toyed with the sort of, there might be some dissension, because obviously... After they, they'd won the match, they didn't necessarily celebrate together. They kind of started to kind of, well, Adam Cole kind of excused himself a bit just to kind of start separating the fact of, no, no, next, I'm going after your title, Nick. So mm. need time to prepare that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah the, yeah, the second match, um, which was Jack Perry versus Hook for the FTW Championship, um, it just kind of, it was just pretty much a hardcore match just with the added, added addition that Jack Perry had brought a limousine in and was just casually just, using it as a weapon, I suppose, including one spot <laughs> where he suplexed Hook through uh, the windscreen, which may or may not, uh, as many people might be aware by now, the possible crux of something else that happened at All In, which we're not necessarily going to touch on just yet. In the chronology of the proceedings of the event, what happened after had not happened yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all. Literally. <laughs> so... I, what I will say is, though I didn't see the match, I can reliably tell you that when you're on the concourse of Wembley Stadium, there's a lot of bass and hook song because you could mm. feel that bass quite significantly. Do, <laughs> da, da, do, do. It's a good song. Ex- uh, it is it's a very bit. good song. So we're getting towards all in proper, as it were. And uh, after watching sort of the, the match that I did and just taking it in and seeing the amount of people about, obviously I'd met you before the show. I'd managed to catch up with some other people who I legitimately had not seen in person in so many years and seeing other mm. people. I mean, I appreciate I'm really tall. A lot of people found me, which is quite amusing. <laughs> oh, Jeremy! Just over there. So it was really good fun. But I was just in a such a happy mood and i know going into the event like tom and i had done the predictions and the preview and whatnot Mm. we were both really really hyped for it going into the main show proper i was so hyped and the big one of the big questions which we which we ultimately found out and would also be kind of the crux of some other stuff that happened behind the scenes was what was going to open the show and 
on any of our bingo cards, I don't think anybody would have said it was going to be CM Punk and Samoa Joe. But man, when Joe's music hit, I started losing and just basically going, right, we're here. It's business time. Let's freaking do this. Yes, yeah, so there was also, because um, I think because you weren't on the side of the part of the main pyro. Uh, we were we weren't that we weren't that close to the pyro, but we could still feel the heat from the flamethrowers <laughs> as Joe came out. It's like it's awfully warm here. <laughs> uh. So we'll, we'll just touch on it briefly now. If if somehow you don't know this happened backstage, because quite frankly, it's all at this point anyone's talking about, which is a real shame. Mm. But basically, Jack Perry said some stuff to the camera during the match, which obviously we in the stadium couldn't hear. Mm. And seemingly stemming from that, which was relating to something that had been reported a few weeks back about him and CM Punk having a conversation about broken glass and whatnot. This then led to Punk seemingly approaching Jack Perry. Some stuff was said. Ultimately, what it based on various reports, there was a scuffle of some kind, which there were a lot of people witness to, seemingly now including Tony Khan. Mm. And from that, there was obviously a bit of tension in the air. Punk may have said some other stuff as well, which seemingly, I didn't realize this in the stadium, but apparently if you actually look at the timings of stuff, it is legit. All in technically started 10 minutes late. I didn't realize that. I didn't didn't, realize that either until the news reports talked about it. It's Mm. like, did it? Because it didn't feel like it was starting 10 minutes late. I just thought, Mm. oh, oh, it's like, I because there's no, there's no main clocks on display in mm. in Wembley Stadium in the main arena. So you just kind of, you see, you just kind of just go, oh, well, the show should be starting very soon. Because I didn't really look at my phone at the time. I think I was charging it because I could just take mm. enough more photos. Likewise. Of that. But it's just like, I didn't really feel that it started late. It was, it, yeah, it's only until the news stuff came out and I and I kind of pondered, it's like, did it start 10 minutes late? Mm. <laughs> yeah, and so the match did happen. And I will say, I'll be able to tell the story now. Because you mentioned that you had sort of checked your phone and you suddenly saw like the Jack Perry stuff being reported. I didn't know that had happened until I was at Wembley Central train station after the show. Mm. When I was walking up some stairs and I just heard some guy, which I just thought that sounds like the, the fakest news story I've heard in quite a while. Mm. Just went, oh, Jack Perry and CM Punk in a fight backstage at All In. <laughs> uh, and you know when you just, uh... so literally, I, I, I sort of heard the guy say it and I just thought, oh, sure, mate, sure. Like what, what crummy site are you reading, quite frankly? And then obviously when I got back to the hotel and started reading up stuff, because at that point I then had phone signal. It mm. was like, ah, oh, there's something to oh. that. All right. Oh. But, but but that aside, though. So Joe and CM Punk started off the show, which I loved the match. I th- thought it was just such good fun. It also made a ton of sense why when you're looking at the big screen, from our, from my perspective, even I said to Tom, man, Punk looks angry. What the heck's up? <laughs> it makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> uh, no, it was, good. it was a good, fun, fast-paced opener as well, mm. which, which obviously highlights both Punk and Joe. Obviously, mm-hmm. most of the audience completely unaware at this time about uh, P- Punk being... Well, even I think reports are saying that Joe was also a bit annoyed at the whole situation as well, having started late yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But I, I, I couldn't I couldn't have told told it from what I, from yeah, what I was watching. Literally had no idea anything was wrong. No, yeah. Which was great. Mm. After that, we got the trios match involving Bullet Club, Gold, and Kanosuke Takeshita versus the Golden Elite trio of Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, and Hangman Page, with Takeshita getting a roll-up on Kenny Omega after he went to V-Trigger Heaven for a while on other people. Mm-hmm. 
I had really good fun watching this match. And I, I've not seen all the entrances back and stuff, because again, from where I was, I couldn't really see it too well. But I have heard that Juice Robinson, on his entrance in particular, is just like, he's on another level, quite frankly. Yeah, he's 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 lapping it up. He's he's doing a like doing a good old sort of doggy crawl through the back through like the tunnel, and it's just Which, like that, okay. that tunnel as well looked really cool. It's it's amazing. That's what they've they've changed the Wembley Tunnel to do that for the show. That's really mm. fucking cool as well. It's so good. Um, I mean, yeah, good good fun match as well. I think the general thing, the thing that I just remembered is Takesha has like for the theme his, his entrance theme is just simply from what I could hear in the stadium was. Uh, <laughs> obviously suppose obviously there's probably more to it and a bit more and obviously it's supposed to be intense but it's just like you've got the uh, noise complete yeah. with the, the weird image of him and don Callis's centaurs as so well, good. which is just like this is strangely messed up i don't know if i'm comfortable with this <laughs> Yeah, it's just like the, the best way. The best way I could describe that 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 tone, if you will, it's just it's just a one long, deep cello sound, almost or like a double bass, like someone is just playing the same note, but you can't tell where it ends or begins, and it's just building up tension. But but yeah, it was really good fun, and also hearing Kenny Omega's music oh, in yes. the stadium was so good. Mm. So oh, so good. Also, Hangman and Pages. Theme. yeah complete with complete with pyro and all that sort of stuff as well yeah and then when like getting to see abushi in a stadium as well like for me it was kind of like catnip him and takesh to having some interaction again him and jay white because history there from new japan yeah uh, I, I do at some point because so, tripping is out of smoke i've not seen all in back i know some people who've already watched the show back twice and were there and i mm. literally said how do you have time quite frankly <laughs> but <laughs> At some point, I do want to go back and watch it, but so if anything was said on on commentary, like I don't know about it, as it were. But it was it was just a really fun trios match, which then after that you're thinking, okay, well we've just had the one two punch of like the Punk Joe match and this trios match. What the heck is going to be next? And then we suddenly get told the next match is for the AEW World Tag Team Titles, and it's just like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> like. <laughs> So we got FTR versus the Young Bucks, which the first faux pas of the day from a technical production standpoint was that the Young Bucks, Young Bucks, that's not their name. Young, young Bucks. Bucks. <laughs> Those Young Bucks. Those Young Bucks and their, and their <laughs> super elbow parties. And clearly they're far too powerful confetti cannons when there's wind <laughs> in the stadium. <laughs> yes. Because a bunch of this like long string confetti just got stuck in the rigging. And I literally thought, oh no, no, it's just gonna be dangling there all night, which a lot of it was. It did. It did. I just found it adorable. It was quite fun. Oh, it was good fun. <laughs> but this match was so good. I, th- at first thinking this might be my match of the night. It was just that good for me. And the crowd, it took a little while to warm into it. Because I think after the first two matches, they kind of needed a bit yeah. of a breather. But it was a point when it suddenly got turned up to the next level. And it was such good fun. Ultimately, with FTR winning and then extending the handshake of like, ah, oh, respect. You know, we, we finally had the rubber match and the Bucks just walked away. Mm. But Ian, one of the big questions for this match going into the show was... Was the, just to call it like this, was the Cash Wheeler situation going to play into this match at all? From a results perspective, no. From a crowd, from a crowd perspective, <laughs> there was a, 
there was bound to be some kind of chant created Mm -hmm. for this and you could tell that when it was first being sung and i started joining it and everything as well and everyone was doing it you could tell there was a moment where all four men in the ring and the referee to be fair were just like what the heck are they saying (laughs) and eventually one of them cottoned onto it and the song was wheeler's got a gun got a gun wheeler's got a gun wheeler's got a gun and repeats over and over and when i first heard that I died laughing so much. I was I, just so happy. I didn't know what they were saying. I knew Wheeler was part of the chant. But yeah. It's just like, it's like, it kind of sounded like Wheeler's going down, going. It's like, obviously, oh, fair, okay, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, fair enough. It's only when I kind of read up and, and kind of read up and kind of watched, the, watched some of the stuff back up. Oh, yeah. That's what they were saying. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> oh, it was just, it was just such a. It was such a joyful, ridiculous chant, given the situation. Mm. <laughs> and it, it worked great. But yeah, great, great fun match, though. I really enjoyed it. Mm. Any additional thoughts from your point of view on the match? Sorry, I should have given you a better lead. Uh, no, no, it's okay. No, it's, um, I mean, yeah, I think one of the best matches on the card. I mm-hmm. think because I, I, I definitely enjoyed the main event quite mm. a lot. So um, I would say definitely, well, definitely probably one of the highlights of the weekend. And... To be honest, it's like you. I think the whole the whole cash wheeler gun situation things kind of, yeah, it put a bit of a cloud over it. But I think other than the chant, it didn't really ruin what was it arguably a very excellent wrestling match between two established teams. Agreed, and also this match featured one of the first uh, elements of Queen being introduced in the show because the Young yeah. Bucks came out with their Freddie Mercury inspired gear and mm. also their. Before their main song started playing, they had a parody of a different song, which I've completely forgotten what it is. Mm. Um, it was like, Super Kick's going to knock you out. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. Dun, dun, like, dun, 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 dun. I can have one bites of dust. There you go. Thank you. Sorry, I drew a complete blank on the name of the song. Oh, but yeah. So that was kind of the, the, the first element of Queen integration on the show. Mm. I did like the finish where basically they kind of catapulted one of the Unbucks up for a big rig. Mm-hmm. Which was just like, yes, that's how you deliver a big rig. Just there you go. Just out, just flying someone out of nowhere, and then, <laughs> and then of course you're you're then thinking after that, what the heck is going to be next? I'm also trying to remember what other matches are next at this point because I just mm-hmm. I was sort of I was so in the moment throughout this entire show. I legitimately was having the best time of my life at a wrestling show, and I was just thinking, the heck is next. I literally cannot figure out what order the show is going in because they've basically had three of the top matches on the show open the pay-per-view. Oh, I know what's next. (laughs) And then we found out it was going to be Stadium Stampede, which at that point you're thinking, what? how the heck is this going to work? That's all the big intrigue. (laughs) And there were some fantastically ridiculous moments in this match. Being in the stadium, from my perspective, from where I was in the stadium, this was a very difficult match to follow. Because yeah. when the action was in the ring, I was kind of... Mi- For those watching on the YouTube version, you'll be able to kind of see how I'm going to play this with my eyes looking up and down constantly. But I was kind of partly looking at the ring, then looking at the screen to see was there something else going on, then back down to the ring and then looking up at the screen. Yeah, And, and occasionally that sort of works out timing-wise, because I wanted to try and take in everything. And then as soon as the action spilled to the outside... There was basically no hope when I just looked at the screen. 
<laughs> but, you know, I, could, I couldn't yeah. even follow everything that was going on there at that point because there was still a lot I was missing. Yeah, I was missing some of the like the the nasty ladder hits. I think what was going on in the middle of the ring with with best friends as well, which was like, mm. oh, okay, this has kind of happened because you you'd be slightly distracted by oh, there's there's Eddie and and gang fighting in what seems to be Club Wembley. Oh, yeah, and they, and there goes and there goes the member of staff over the counter. Okay. We'll come back later. <laughs> but if you pay for your club me- club Wembley membership this year and you were at the event, you got your money's worth if you were in that block. Yes, <laughs> um, and what was it as well? It's like at times like oh oh they're they're fighting in the in the stands. I think they were kind of fighting in the stands a few a few row a few kind of blocks across from us. But it's like ah, mm. can't see where they're fighting, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of it obviously it. Stadium Stampede and Anarchy in the Arena are just mad matches in themselves. Yeah, it's just. This is how it, you kind of. I think depending on where you were in the order to, in the in the stadium, you either got to see as much of it as possible, or you saw little trips and drops, which was not a bad sort of thing because you you still saw some of the key bits like Moxie having skewers in his head for a bit, Moxie having head in his skewer having skewers in his head, and literally his scalp being moved about two inches, pretty much. Which <laughs> all of everyone around me was just like. It's like no, no, oh no! I think it was funny because again, I had like a father and two smaller children in front of me where I was, and it was part where the dad was kind of laughing, and then he kind of did that nervous look to his kids at the side of him, just like, like, don't tell (laughs) mum. Yeah, (laughs) don't tell mum you saw a grown man got 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 little like cocktail, big long cocktail sticks. But, uh, I'm trying to remember what else happened. There was a lot of stuff that happened by the entrance way, like yeah, when, um, when, when yeah. uh, Penta put th- Santana through some tables. Sue Trent's mum drove out in a car with some cookies actually on a tray, which I thought was a very nice touch. Didn't realise that Moxley just randomly kissed her. <laughs> yeah, which I'm going to be blunt. Someone clearly didn't clue him in about the big story going on in women's football at the moment. So a little bit on the nose, oh, as it were. Yeah, a little bit. Little but bit. but that, that aside, though, um, this this was a really fun match, but if I will be honest, based on my live experience in the stadium, if I had to pick a weakest match on the show, it would be this, purely from the perspective of how I had to try and take in all the action. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff, and it ultimately ended with Orange Cassidy pinning Claudio, which I then thought, oh, he's going to challenge for the ROH title. Not the case, as we may talk about a little bit later. Mm. Also, because you, you're in, you'll be able to figure this out. You're a film buff. What were the Blackpool Combat Club, if anything, trying to emulate with their entrance? Because they sort of came out wearing like sunglasses, jackets, and Tom actually credit to him. He actually came up with a very good theory, which I will share with you in a few moments, unless you say it before him. I'm. I didn't really pay attention to that. It's like, oh, they're coming out and they're being cool with Wild Thing again. Yeah. <laughs> Because Tom's Tom's reaction about partway through the match was, "Oh, were they being the Men in Black?" <laughs> <laughs> which which kind of makes sense in some ways. <laughs> I think they need to have suits and ties, and they've got to be dancing to Will Smith music. I mean, look <laughs> in the element. If that's your criteria, this is the Blackpool Combat Club. I think that's probably the best we're going to get. <laughs> Here come the Blackpool Combat Club. Da, 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 da. BCC, BCC, <laughs> gonna punch oh, your face in. <laughs> oh, <God>. Ow, ow! 
I don't oh agree. no, Moxie's bleeding again. Shit. <laughs> yes, if on your John Moxie bingo card you had he's going to bleed, you may you may chug a beer now or something. Oh, also, final note on Stadium Stampede because after the match, we again we could see the TV feed on the big screens. My favourite moment is Eddie Kingston that towards the end of the match put Moxley through a table. Oh, yes. And there was a random close-up of Moxley's face. And it was just like part of a hand by his face, but you couldn't really make out what it was. And they did a zoomed-out shot of it. And it's just both of them in a heap, both of them flipping each other off. It is the <laughs> funniest thing I've seen in so long. It's like, I don't like you, but I don't like you too. <laughs> you gonna move? No, I'm just in a lot of pain. <laughs> So great match, but again, from from a being there in person experience, your 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 experience may vary, as it were, with that. Mm, yeah. Next up was the AEW Women's World Title four way match, which was Soraya actually defeating and becoming the new women's champion by beating Tony Storm, Hikaru Shida, and Britt Baker. Some of the big significant moments in the match were that Soraya had seemingly, well, it was either way, she came out to We Will Rock You. Yes. But was also accompanied by pretty much her entire clan of family, mm-hmm. which which led to a wonderful moment during the match where Tony Storm accidentally clocked uh, Mother Soraya in the face, and she was going batshit crazy at ringside. Basically, the match is summed up of "You hit me, mum. I'm gonna. Oh, <laughs> don't you hit my mum." <laughs> And of course, also Ruby Soho then ran down as well to try and break up the dissension, but then she accidentally got clocked by Tony as well. So mm. the outcasts have got some dissension and whatnot. But yeah. either way, I, I really want, I, I said this in the previous show, I really wanted Hikaru Shida to win because um, obviously she's gone from basically being the champion with zero fans being able to be in attendance to then the biggest crowd ever. Mm. It's such a wonderful feel-good story. But when Soraya did win, and I really enjoyed this match as well, I just want to put that across, there was part of me that thought, ah, crud. But then watching the screen and watching her family get in the ring and you could tell how genuine it was i just went you know what this is a really cool moment and i'm yeah. all for it like totally in totally all in as it were on mm. on this result now so when, when all was said and done this was really really well done yeah i mean it's like i i think the moment you sensed when you saw like the, the whole family it's like yeah this kind of seems like saraya is gonna probably take mm. the belt on this one and it's like gets a moment that's really nice and that sort of stuff i mean i kind of sense the women's title might be hot potatoed a little bit unless they're going to try and put a bit more stability into it like have a bit longer longer reign but because you've got you've got stories of the of the social out not yeah social outcasts is what they are aren't they uh, well, the it's, it's, it's just the outcast but no yeah. social outcast is wwe i stand corrected <laughs> uh, so the outcast so yeah you've got some story mileage there with the outcasts having disagreements a little bit there yeah, I mean, it was a fight. It was a fine match. I think it was one of the shortest matches on the card. But eh. yeah, surprisingly, I did just look kind of looking at the times per Wikipedia. They say it was just under nine minutes, which honestly mm. didn't feel like that in the stadium. Okay, you you could tell it was shorter than other matches, but it didn't mm. feel under ten minutes. So that was really good fun. Mm. Then after that, again, it's like, what the heck? What is the order of this show? I can't predict anything now. Like what, <laughs> other than one match, most likely, what's going to be next? And next up was the coffin match. And this was wild, quite frankly, <laughs> everything that was going on. But the e- Swerve's entrance was freaking fantastic. He was being sung out to his actual so- his ring music, as it were. 
And then he gets on the ring apron, gets the microphone, and then just says, with with what ended up being just over 81,000 people we heard later on, which is legit, him just saying, whose house? And all of us just shouting back, Swerve's house. It is one of the Mm. coolest things I've ever been a part of. Mm. And also, little tidbit as well for you. Because of the whole the whole idea with like obviously Swerve is he had the Mogul affiliates and then they kind of fused with the Mogul em- with the embassy as it were to form the Mogul embassy. Mm. A big part of the lineage of the embassy, particularly from a Ring of Honor perspective, because Prince Nana has always been the leader of the group and such, mm. is I'm not sure if you're familiar with a wrestler who passed away a few years ago by the name of Jimmy Rave, who was a longtime roster member of the Ring of Ring of Honor and such. And he was always called like the crown jewel of the embassy. Mm-hmm. The jacket that Swerve was wearing to the ring was Jimmy Rave's jacket. No. Oh. So it was like from a, from kind of like a long time, it's almost, it's kind of like a deep cut reference, if you will. Mm. Kind of like, if you, if you know, you know, but as soon as I realized that, I just thought, oh man, that's so damn cool. Like it's just, it's a little touch, but it was just so damn good. Then we come to the well, Christian Cage obviously made his entrance and whatnot. Then we come to Darby Allen and Sting. And at first we see them in an alleyway, somewhere likely in the back streets of Wembley, having recorded a promo and Sting just being wonderful, quite frankly. With his Courtney accent, it's like, oh, we're in London. We're in London. And I'm Jack the Ripper. <laughs> so yeah. good. Yes, Sting. Yes, you are. <laughs> and then we're waiting for the music to start and it's like oh what what the heck next like what else could it be and suddenly seek and destroy by metallica starts playing i lose my bloody mind i am so happy because <laughs> i'm all about the deep cuts and references today, today Ian. this is a callback to sting being in wcw circa 1999 2000 when for a period of time, his entrance music was a live from Woodstock 1999 version of Metallica's Seek and Destroy. So getting to hear this happening in the stadium, I w- this was just like catnip for me at this point. I was al- As far as I could say, this match was already five stars. <laughs> just based on the entrance. <laughs> yes, I don't get wins. Five stars. Five. You want six? Six. Have seven. <laughs> but the match itself, though, this was just wild. Derby must have coffin dropped the coffin itself about four times, be it with someone in between it or not. This was ridiculous, some of the stuff that was going on. I love the fact that both Sting and Darby at one point had thumbtack jackets and Christian mm. was trying to take it off Sting, but he was trying to do it in a way like that like, was daintily where he didn't get any thumbtacks on his own hands mm. and like poke himself. There's so many little things in this. Swer- all four men, not even just Swerve, all four men were excellent in this. We had the traditional moment at a British wrestling show where a table doesn't break because our tables are sturdier. So Mm -hmm. Sting then had to put Swerve through the table, not just by doing a splash the second time, he just full pelt just sat on him. (laughs) It's like, that is a man in his 60s just jumping off an apron. All right, fine. (laughs) So good. But this was just, it was really, really good fun. And if this ends up being Swing's it swings. Oh, swings. Swings. Oh, it's swing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a t-shirt. Uh, you know right. Fun fact. I didn't mention this, but apparently on commentary, when Sue came out during the stadium stampede match, Tony Schiavone went, it's Sue. <laughs> I like it. Swing. It's swing. <laughs> it was an unintentional misspeak there, but you know what? I'll take it. But if this ends up being Sting's swan song for wrestling in the UK, 
what a way to go out in a mm. giant stadium with that many people and him doing everything he did. Mm. Did, 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 you, did you guys enjoy this match from your perspective? I mean, I, it's just, it was as cool to see Sting. It's just like, I mean, the, one of the cool things about the stadium show itself is basically there are wrestlers who I've not seen wrestle in person. So it's like, despite my despite my feelings on CM Punk, seeing CM Punk wrestle was still very cool to see. Mm, agreed. Um, same with Sting. Never saw Offspring wrestle before in person. So that was cool as well. And it's just like, yeah, it's it's just, it was a fun Sydney match. <laughs> the cough, everyone just kept falling into that coffin and not trying to close. It's like, nope, the bat's going to hold it down. <laughs> or or oh, apparently they should run it back because the dreadlocks from Swerve were still hanging out the cares. <laughs> I, I, like, did, I, I did notice got, that. I, I think they've got a point. <laughs> Joe was really good fun as well. It's, it's the ways they managed, the, the many ways they managed to not end the match. It was like, mm. it was the bats just kind of sticking out of the edge of the coffin yeah. after like Swerve had thrown well, I think it there's, in. I think there's one time it's fingers as well. Yeah, it's Swerve's fingers. And then there's one point where Swerve is just half out the coffin. Sting closes the lid and Darby then coffin drops on top of him. It's mm. like, gonna, literally going to just cut him in half as it were. So. Yeah. Oh, such good fun. But you mentioned Will Ospreay. The next match on the card was Will Ospreay and Chris Jericho. And this led to our third Queen reference of the evening. Because as we know, Chris Jericho and his band Fozzy were going to perform Judas him com- to him coming out the ring. Mm. But this began with him reenacting the very, very, very famous call and response by Freddie Mercury at that legendary Live at Wembley show. Mm. that's been archived on dvds and such jericho getting to do that you can bet it was just like freaking catnip for him quite frankly mm. and then they began performing judas which i've got to say sounded a freaking incredible in that stadium they oh, were yeah. on they were on point the sound was so good and jericho sounded freaking amazing i've seen a lot of people claim he was lip syncing i don't think he was because he literally told people sing it as it were, but it was such a good entrance and being in a stadium with that many people singing Judas. Oh my God, what a feeling. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like one of the highlights. It's one of the things I think I was most looking forward to is going to going to all this. Basically, I'm going to sing along with Judas and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and at Osprey's oh. entrance, admittedly, full, full disclosure folks, I was just cheering for Osprey in this match. So I'd been at Rev Pro the night before and that just kind of cemented my feeling of, I want Osprey to win this badly. So much, and like just being singing his song and just being involved in it, they did some crazy stuff in this match. The two of them mm. ultimately, Osprey was able to get the win, which is massive. And there was a little bit of sort of Jericho being just annoyed with himself, and he wouldn't let Sammy Guevara, who was at ringside and I think got involved as well at one point, wouldn't let him console him. Mm. So clearly, going to lead to some to something else. But either way. As a spectacle, this match was so damn good. And they had some great, great, great technical moments as well. There was one moment where, I don't remember exactly what it was, but both of them were like countering their counters on top of each other's bodies. Yes, yes. And I it was just this. that moment of, what am I watching? <laughs> it was so Because I think, I think there was like a Hurricane Rana that just suddenly, Jer- Jericho just pulled out a Hurricane Rana out of nowhere. And it's like, mm. what? What's going on? And it's just, <laughs> it was just really cool to see. I mean, it's probably one of, I'd say it's probably one of Jericho's better matches in AEW. Mm. And to be able to kind of have that with Osprey, Because obviously, I think when people first said, oh, it's Jericho versus Osprey," you kind of think, well, you kind of want to see Osprey go up against like someone who's really high-flying or something like that to kind of really give him... It's like an, a Kenny Omega-level kind of opponent to really mm. kind of 
to really kind of sell or showcase that sort of high energy offense and all that sort of stuff. But no, I, th- I think it was a generally good match with, with Jericho. Completely agree. At this point, I'll be honest, in the show, I was starting to struggle. And I thought, right, we've got one match left. That's what I thought at the time. I thought we've got one match left. And, and, then Tom, <laughs> and then Tom just went, I swear there's another match. It's like, is there? What the heck is it? Because I, because I looked at, I looked at my watch, I looked at a watch, and it's like, oh, it's nine o'clock. Oh, that means, oh, this is going to be cool. Cole and MGF might be going for an hour. Mm. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, we were wrong. <laughs> yeah. And of course, it was the trio's title match, which no shade on everyone involved. It's just we had seen so much, we were so invested in it. I was mm. just, again, living in the moment, quite frankly, and I, I just forgot <laughs> that the match was happening, and. It was just really good fun. House of Black, I, I, I couldn't see it from my vantage point, but apparently there was a Bray Wyatt tribute as part of the House of Black's entrance, mm. which is really, really cool to know about after the fact. And then the acclaimed come out and Max Caster doing his rap and somehow managing to do a Prince Andrew reference and the entire stadium just basically going, oh! <laughs> so much so, I don't know about your section, but we then didn't hear what the second line of the rap was because we were too busy reacting it to was, the first. We didn't hear it either, but obviously we watching it on clips. I think it was something Meghan Markle related or something like that. Yeah. Like, All right, fair enough. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> you know, to me, everyone, was, everyone was still kind of recovering from the absolute burn that was the Prince Andrew jive. <laughs> Yeah, so I think you could tell Max Carter clearly asked the right Brits, right, what's what's something that will get a really big reaction if I mm. did a rap about it? <laughs> he clearly asked the right people. Mm. And uh, in this match, you know what? It was pretty simple and to the point there were some great moments in it. I really, really love seeing House of Black in this particular iteration of like their look, kind of the white and gold look. Just looks mm. so, so good. But ultimately, the acclaimed were able to get the win. Daddy Ass kicked out of a Malachi Black's roundhouse kick that knocked him out previously, that led to the sort of whole retirement story mm. that we had going. Yeah. And it led to ultimately to two top rope elbow drops, the mic drop, that's what it's called by Max yeah. Caster, and new champions being crowned, and House of Black themselves handing over the belts as a show of respect. So one would assume this feud is over. Ah, happy but, endings for everyone. Indeed, but, but great fun. But admittedly, it was around, like I say, during this match where I think you could tell everyone wanted to be more invested in it, but mm. everyone in the crowd was like, I, I, I just need 10 minutes. We just, we just need, to, we need to reserve our energy for, for MGF and Michael, and uh, not Michael Cole, Adam Cole. <laughs> 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 it's like it's like it's like that's what the contract actually stated. It's like you're gonna have you're not getting the match. Michael Cole is getting the match at Wembley. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm uh, there's, sorry. No, there's no easy way to segue from that. So I'm just gonna say, which leads us on to the main event of All in London: MJF the Adam Cole for the AEW World Title. As mentioned, they were now the ROH Tag Team Champions. So you're wondering how is this gonna go? And MJF got to do like his full-blown devil-style entrance, which he had oh, done previously. Such a cool entrance. So that was the one entrance I could actually see because he was elevated high enough. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, so good. And from what I recall, because again, I'm not washed the back and everything, but the match begins with kind of like some friendly competition, as it were. This is for the world title. And then they, Adam Cole and, and MJF just both go, you know what? No, we're, we're buddies here. We've got to do this as friends. So they go mm. under the ring and grab their respective T-shirts and put them on <laughs> and whatnot for better than you, baby. And then slowly but surely, 
as they're getting into the action, some of their own tendencies start to come into play, like MGF doing the odd little eye poke here and there, which annoys Adam Cole. Oh, yeah, the sportsmanship. Sportsmanship! Sportsmanship! Exactly. Poke! <laughs> the chance of sportsmanship itself was very funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so lots of little things, which then ultimately leads things to escalating quite a bit. So much so mm. that Adam Cole did a brain buster on the stairs on MJF, which we were all just like, oh my god, that looked awful. Mm. As it, it as pretty. it bloody hurt. It, 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 if if the, they sold it well, they sold it very well. It did not look pretty. <laughs> so good. Then there was a, then there were moments when Roderick Strong came down and started saying to Adam Cole, "I'm your best friend. Like, but do this." But uh, let, there's, the, there's the pivotal point, which we're going to get to in a second. Don't you worry let, about that. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say because uh, Roderick Strong turned up after the the. Oh, the was it after point. that? Sorry, yeah, I, I, I yeah. jumped forward. So the the big pivotal moment of the match where. I think on any other night, everyone may have rioted at this. Mm. <laughs> but we get that the, the two of them are just knackered. They've done so much. Everyone is still so invested. Like, from a storytelling perspective, I have never been this invested in a wrestling match live because mm. that is how good this entire build to this match has been. And the two of them just look at each other. They point at each other. They shout double clothesline. They go into the ropes, bounce off, double clothesline each other. Each has an arm land on top of each other. And then the ref counts one, two, three. And you hear the entire stadium have a moment of silence. And everyone just goes, what? What? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're all just like, you cannot end this in the draw. Please Mm. do not. I think the way someone shouted it right next to me, I'm going to quote this. Apologies for my language. He literally went, don't fuck this up, AEW. <laughs> it's just what someone's shouting. <laughs> I, I, I kind of had a sense this was not the end of the match anyway, because it, hmm. it was just like, you're definitely not ending this show with that, because if you did, hmm. you're in trouble. Uh- <laughs> yeah, and there was a wonderful callback, because after it's announced the match is a draw, Cole gets on the mic, and calling back to the singles match that they had, which was the the title eliminator match, which ended in a 30-minute draw on Dynamite a few months ago. Mm -hmm. When Cole said, five more minutes, and MJF has the mic, and I'm thinking, this is the moment. This is the moment where the friendship will fall apart. Mm. And then he says, no. And you could tell everyone just goes, oh, no, no, don't do this. And then he just just something to the effect of, we're just going to go until there's a winner because we're in Wembley fucking stadium. Mm. <laughs> and at that point, any energy the crowd had lost was immediately back. It was, it was, the fight was on. Roderick Strong then came out, started getting involved, telling Adam Cole to use the damn belt, hit him. And ultimately, oh. ultimately he didn't. Like he, he didn't, he, but this is after Bryce had been attacked twice <laughs> yeah, yeah a couple of ref bumps as well uh, admittedly i'm sort of getting a little bit hazy on how exactly how things go so feel free I to think, interrupt I think, me i think the first i think the first one's just like an accidental hit or a kick and then the hmm. second one is a full-blown panorama <laughs> yes, like, was, how, do yes. how do you do that to the ref i kind of go wait a minute oh no i've just i've just <laughs> done a sunset bomb on poor price <laughs> Oh, but oh. but but ultimately, as you sort of alluded to, the power of friendship is what made this match conclude the way it did. Because Adam Cole had the belt and he was getting ready. He was teasing he was going to hit Max. Roddy was telling him to do it. And then Adam Cole then turns away, throws the belt down. Roddy storms off in a huff. 
and, and starts getting being consoled by the kingdom. As this is happening, Cole is like telling Roddy, get out of here. And then Max rolls him up and gets the win. Mm. <laughs> and at that also- moment, you're just like, oh my oh. God. <laughs> but there was all, there's also a moment in the match where... MGF is starting to go back to the dark side because he brings out the diamond ring. Diamond ring, puts it on the and, finger. And he puts it on, he's thinking, I'm going to hit him in the back of the head. It's like, nope, nope, no, nope, all the better of it. We've also, I don't think we've also mentioned the funny Eddie Guerrero inspired spot of, you have the chair. No, you have the chair. Oh, no, you have so the chair. good. You have the chair. I'm going to fall over now. Oh, all right. Chair. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it, it was just that perfect thing of two guys who would do this against any other opponent, never mm. considered what would happen if the guy threw past the chair back to them? And they were both just like, what, what do I do? What do I do? I've never done yeah. this before. What happens? And then yeah. when Adam Cole went down, and then like you said, MJF just looks looks around, looks at the chair, unfolds it, gently places it over mm. his head, and just goes, sure, oh. and then lies down. <laughs> <laughs> and then the ref gets him and goes, yeah, because this is after, I think this is after the first, like, I think this is possibly after the first race. Bump, Quite possibly, maybe? yeah. Again, it, hate timeline's a bit hazy yeah, at this point. Yeah. But either way, though, the main event match per Wikipedia was 29 minutes. Oh, wow. Which, I'm going to be honest, it? I thought it was a lot longer than that in a good way. Mm. This main event was so damn good. I have never been invested in a match like this before in my life, I don't think. But especially at a live event setting when everyone is there just living in the moment, mm. except for the poor little girl who was sitting in front who at this point just wants to go to bed and fell asleep in her dad's arms. Yeah, I think there was I think there was definitely someone either along our row on the row in front that was just more invested in their phone or like on, on, yeah. on a video game console. It's like it, it's weird sometimes. It's like sometimes it's like, okay, you're out of the show, but it's like, but but why? It's like, mm. are you there because you want to be there or you've been like long? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's about FOMO, the fear of missing out. It reminds me of when I went to the United Kingdom Championship in Blackpool for WWE. Mm. And it's like the first night, I think me me and, and my partner at the time, um, we were in the second row, but there was a family in front of us who were clearly expecting to see either John Cena or Roman Reigns. And it wasn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> so they were, they were hardly invested in it, which is a shame. So, sorry, they were at the wrong show. Yes. Yes. Uh, but... Uh, and then, of course, I, I, now I don't know if you noticed this, but as we got the live TV feed and like the confetti is going around after the match because friendship wins, they hug each other. Friendship wins. Drown everyone in confetti. Even yeah. the crowd. There you go. And this is, of course, after as well. Adam Cole kind of was just really angry, partly probably at himself, just loads of other stuff. And there's a moment where Max gives him the ROH tag title and Cole just throws it down. And then Max gets angry. Mm. And you could tell, again, we can't hear what's being said, but it's something to the effect of, is this all it was about? Like this this damn belt. Here, freaking have it. And he just turns around, puts his arms up and says, hit me. And then Cole ultimately doesn't do it. And the power of friendship wins. Power of friendship. And then confetti cannons are going off. And now on the, on the TV feed, I noticed that there was a little graphic in the bottom left corner. Mm. And at that point, it's like, Wait, 2024 Wembley? They're doing it again next year? Literally? And then, Mm. so this then led somewhat awkwardly to then Max Adam Cole and Tony Khan then being in the ring once the show was off the air to then formally announce they were coming back next year. But we still just were in the moment of it. It was so damn good. And it capped off what I will go on record quite happily in and say is the best wrestling experience I've ever had in my life, that All In Wembley show. It was utterly fantastic, and I am so, so happy I was there. 
yeah, it was it was a generally it was a really nice evening. It, the wrestling flew by, and it's like sometimes when it's a struggle to watch even like the five hour AEW pay per view, this one just kind of flew by, which was just insane to even kind of contemplate for for me, <laughs> me personally. It's like mm. we've been sat here for nearly six hours. It doesn't feel like we were here for six hours. Mm. In that sort of way. Um, but no, generally, really, really good show. And yeah, I, I probably will go back to it next year. Yeah. And of course, another random tidbit from the show is that Mercedes Monet was there, appeared oh, in the yes. crowd a few times. Yes. Yeah, she, yeah, she's totally showing up in All Elite at some point now. <laughs> I reckon, because part of Tony Khan's post-show press announcement thing was the announcement of, of the Dream, the Dream Match, mm. the Dream Wave show, whatever it was called, in Seattle. If that's going to be New Japan affiliated, I reckon it may be something to do with that. Yeah, so Wrestle Dream, I think it's that's uh, the, one, thank you. the one in honor of Antonio Noki. Correct, his passing a year ago. Yeah, I, it's the big, the big strong chin as well. <laughs> uh, so to wrap up the all in discussion, Ian, I, I mm. thought you, you know you, you meet some wrestling fans on the way to a wrestling show, mm. and sometimes these fans have some, let's say, hot takes about the show you're about to go and watch. Okay. On the underground, there were a couple of people we were talking to. For, for one guy, it was actually literally his first ever wrestling show. Mm. To which we were just saying, mate, you've picked a good one to be your first show. Yeah. And I didn't want to tell him like anything after this, you know, by comparison. I'm a little bit on the downside. But um, <laughs> so the, the guy who was with them, they started saying, you know what? This isn't going to feel like a WrestleMania unless there's lots of pyro. If there's no pyro, the show will be a failure. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Khan just went, I want all the pyro. All of it. Fire it. It's the good type of pyro. It's not the ones that have giant bangs going on. It's it's like nice, gentle firework pyro stuff in a way. Mm. And fire. Mm. But it was just part of me that wanted to respond with, I think I actually literally as politely as I could responded with, so we've got all these matches and the thing you're most concerned about is the lack of pyro. <laughs> I think they also said if it hasn't got a big stage, it's a failure of a show as well. And it's like, I mean, the stage, I think the stage itself was pretty damn effective, to be honest. Yeah, it was. But I, there was just, again, it was just, it was just that mentality of it's not about, you know, everything else around it. It's about the overall package mm. type thing. Which brings me on to the final hot take I heard. Actually, in the stadium, as Grado was coming out, someone said, Grado's wasted in this segment. He should be in Stadium Stampede. To which no. I had Tom Tom saw a fire and fury in my eyes when I heard that being said. And he had to go, Jeremy, don't I went I, I want so badly to say something. Went just 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 enjoy the moment. Or have I, a pretzel. Basically, I had, yeah. I, I had a pretzel. And Enough some there. popcorn. And a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so there were some of the random hot takes I heard actually mm. on the way to or in the stadium. Grado being in stadium stampede, no, absolutely no, not. No, no. I think it, I think if anything, I think it was all kind of set with that talk sport thing where he got the guitar over the head from Jeff Jarrett in an interview thing. It was like, if anything, it'll be a small little throwaway thing. And it's it's not not big. Also, they couldn't afford to get all Madonna. Either way, they didn't have Madonna's like a prayer. So it's not kind of I mean, to be fair, can you imagine how much that must cost? A lot. I mean at that point, just get like one of the, the sort of those cheap karaoke covers that you find on YouTube. You know? <laughs> One played by Kazoos. There you go. <laughs> so, I guess before we move on from All In Proper, any other random experiences or any notes from your perspective? Uh, no, 
no, not not really. It was generally good good uh, weekend. Oh, not generally good weekend. Generally good day out, really. I, I mean, I think I'm thankful I didn't go on the tube because I've heard the horror stories of the tube. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, strange, strangely enough, I was I, I the show finished at ten, and despite the fact I didn't really probably aim to leave the air until probably about half ten, quarter to eleven. I got home by half midnight, which I thought was reasonably quite nice. Mm. Yeah. I will say, it did take a while for, for me and Tom to get out of Wembley Stadium. There was some bad bottlenecking where we were. Oh, it's like they were just kind of... I know you were doing what they were trying to do, but it was just kind of like... It's like, it's like oh, I think I said to one security guard, it's like, I want to head over to the Wembley train station. It's like, oh, good, I know. But no, that takes me to the tube station. That's not where I want to go. <laughs> I want I want actual train as opposed to tube. It's like it's like I go on the proper train, the choo choo outside the tunnels. That <laughs> one. I didn't say this to the guy. <laughs> I, I, imagine? I was like, I think all I went all I was it's like I got a little bit annoyed and kind of went, oh great, you're helpful. And then I just moved a few few steps down and there was no there was a hole in the like the line of guards went, I'll just go through here then. And then no one stopped me. <laughs> yeah. And of course other people were coming through as well. I was like, mm-hmm. It's like, it's like it will probably be easier if you just let people go the way they want to bloody go. But that's just me. Yeah, I, I took the Wembley Central tube route because it's about 10, 15 minutes away of a walk, but also it's on the overground. So mm. you get some other decent links then to be able to go elsewhere. But yeah, I, I, I've i done the Wembley Park route before on a busy stadium show for like concerts. It's not fun at all. No. Can you no. vouch for that? So from there, we go from AEW All In to one of the other two shows that's happening this weekend, which we're going to be talking about today, which is WWE Payback. It's back, and with greater pay. Allegedly, yes, allegedly. Apparently. Um, It's basically, um, as much as I'm sure this will probably be a decent little WWE premium live event, it, it kind of feels the most, it feels the most BC level WWE pay-per-view and it's kind of like and that's a bit of a shame because it's like some of the matches on the card will probably be very very good it's mm-hmm. just it's like I'm not that I'm not that thrilled for it it's just like I'll watch it it's on a Saturday so I'll watch it on the Sunday and kind of go huh that wasn't an event um, but it's but like, like you say it's the most B or C T C tier level show WWE has produced or on the surface what looks like it's going to be produced in a long time at this point because yeah look, my feelings on SummerSlam notwithstanding you can go back and hear our review of that mm. but every premium live event this year has genuinely felt very exciting and you're like mm. oh I actually really want to see some of the stuff on that yeah. whereas with this it's kind of like it's the weekend after All In SummerSlam was a bit of a mixed bag come the end of it yeah. Obviously, there's been other things in wrestling that have happened, which have kind of derailed the build yes, of this, of course, which of course, taking yeah. that into account. But overall, I don't hear anyone talking about this show at all. I would say the only match on this card I'm probably excited to see, because we haven't seen him in a main event match for some time, is Nakamura versus Rollins. Mm. I mean, I, I do not sense in any way, shape or form that Nakamura has taken the world title off Seth. But the fact is, he's getting a nice spotlight. He's had it. He's had a nice little couple of weeks on Raw, being like evil, dastardly Shinsuke Nakamura, doing promos in Japanese, just just sneak attacking Rollins all the time, being being very evil with the whispers. I know about your back, all that sort of stuff. That's great stuff. I don't see Shinsuke winning, but I think it will be a fun. And I don't. I don't think I've seen Rollins versus Nakamura before. 
I don't not, think I have. Not for a very long time, at the very least. They they must they they must have met at some point earlier down the road in in mm. like the main roster side of things with Nakamura. But it's like I don't recall like a big money match between them. Mm. So if it's a one and done thing, hopefully it's a good match. But again, you never know. It could be a stepping stone to the chapter of what happens with Money in the Bank. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, so I think we're just going to do kind of like a rapid fire going through the card because it's like, I feel a lot of this is very predictable, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, so we'll, we'll save Rollins. Well, the fact of the matter is you don't really need to save Rollins and Nakamura till end. Rollins is going to retain. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. I think Rollins yeah. will retain. It, from, from what I have seen... It's been really fun to see them actually embracing a sort of a darker side of Shinsuke Nakamura. Yes. And quite frankly, mm. allowing him just to cut promos in Japanese because it always just looks and sounds cool, quite frankly. Mm. So, yeah, much as I'm enjoying seeing those clips and whatnot, I will go with the Rollins retain as well. Yes. So, so um, just I've, I've got the card or the, poten- the potential card in front of me mm-hmm. here. Let's, let's start with some of the non-eventful things that are probably happening. Uh, Cody Rhodes is going to have another chapter of the Book of Adversity by just turning up on the Grayson Waller effect. <laughs> so whether or not this actually just leads to a match between him and Grayson Waller, which he wins. It, it, basically, what's going to happen is Grayson Waller is going to be a prick, as he usually is, in a good way, not, mm. a, not, not a bad way. He's going to be, oh, Strofe. I'm I'm the big deal in WWE, and then Cody Rhodes will crossroad him like three times and shut him up, and that's what it's, happens. It's nice to see that Cody Rhodes is able to go either is not is that literally not going all in or all out on either, on the show at all, is he? <laughs> not, yeah, he's, he's 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 somewhere in between. He's in the all out. He's all the all all maybe, all maybe. <laughs> there we go. There we go. He, he, he is all there. Yeah, <laughs> I think. I mean, look at the card. One of the fun. One of the kind of it it it. All it's going to do is kind of help build LA Knight. But I think LA Knight versus The Miz might be all right as a match. I think promo side of things has been very, very good uh, side of things. I think on SmackDown, despite the fact, obviously, it was it was the Bray Tribute show, um, LA Knight did use it to kind of further his little thing with, with The Miz and kind of in, got inspired by like Bray Wyatt sort of terminology, just saying, oh, the next time you see me, run. And that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. but he did, he also did a very good impersonation of the Miz, <laughs> <laughs> just going, "I'm the Miz, I sh- I'm awesome." It's like no one cares, no one cares. <laughs> and then on Raw, like, Raw on Monday, you've got um, the Miz turns up dressed as um, as as LA Knight, and again does oh nice does a decent little impersonation of him as well. It's like it's like yeah, he's like you get yeah over, you're all sheep. I know when I say I'm awesome, it's because I know I'm awesome. That sort of stuff. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun TV style match. Knights winning because we're building him up still. Because yeah, I, it, I think it, they it, have started to go. I think Crave have really started to kind of go. Okay, right. We'll we'll start following Knight. Yeah, if Miz gets the win, I will be shocked. Yes. Pretty much. Uh, next on a card, let's go for a title match. Um, Austin Fury is looking to regain the United States Championship from Rey Mysterio. He lost it out of nowhere two weeks ago, um, which was supposed to be a match between him and Santos Escobar. But, but he got injured, didn't he? He got in match? injured. Bunny is <laughs> in that sort oh, of Oh, was that the one that happened during a commercial break sort of thing? Yeah, so kind of yeah. like, it, I think it was kind of storylined he got injured per se. Right, I, haven't really seen, I haven't seen any reports saying he's illegitimately injured. 
Mm. Um, which I, I see nothing but a Rey Mysterio win. I see a Rey Mysterio win. Possible heel turn from Santos. Oh, okay. Because it's kind of like you, you kind of sense you kind of sense in a way that he would be annoyed that Ray stole his belt or stole mm. his opportunity to be a champion. I can't I can't see Austin Fury regain the belt. Otherwise, it makes the whole thing really bloody pointless. Unless it's a Santos turn, which lets Fury regain the belt. I hope not. That that's even more stupid bollocks. But I mean, yeah, I I I sense Ray is going to take the belt. Uh, mm. Keep the belt, to be perfectly honest. Uh, la, 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 let's have a look down here. Uh, let's have a cage match. We've got Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratish in a cage match, which is supposed to be the blow-off to this feud, which has been coming some time now, because I think we were supposed to have it at SummerSlam. It didn't happen at SummerSlam. We had lemons and lemonade from Becky and Triple H, uh, and then they kind of had a match which didn't necessarily pan out. So Adam Pearce just went, all right, we'll just have a still cage match at Payback. Um, so Becky's so, winning, right? Yeah, I think I think this is the time for <laughs> Becky to finish the feud. To be perfectly honest, if Trish wins, it's like, oh no, the feud's continuing, which is a shame because it's like when they started off the feud at Night of Champions. I thought this is like we've got some we got some good sort of momentum here of this, and it's mm. just kind of start, stop, start, stopped in a way. To be perfectly honest, so it's kind of like I'm sure this will be a fine match. I think there's I think they'll they'll have fun with the still cage mm. match stipulation. Um, obviously, it's a way to keep Zoe Stark out of the equation because um, uh, I think she was kind of written off for a bit on Monday with uh, with a with a match on Monday on Raw, mm. but she probably will still show up. That's the thing. No one's ever probably written off unless they're unless they've got legitimate reason, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I I think Becky retains. Uh, and then uh, the other ladies match on the card. Uh, Rhea Ripley puts her championship belt on the line against Raquel Rodriguez. I reckon this could be what I would call the sleeper match of the show, and this could be so freaking great. I, I reckon there's gonna be a so. lot of a, a lot of a power game in it. And of the matches so far, you can probably tell by how much I'm actually talking about it. This was one of the two matches on the show that I'm really excited to see if I get the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I think this will be a very physical match. To be mm. And it's it's uh, it's like powerhouse versus powerhouse in a way um i think rear's still keeping the belt because Agreed. i think no one's taking that belt from her from probably until possibly mania who knows um but uh, no i think this is the first like substantial kind of i think feud that she's had with the belt because a lot of it's been kind of very brief mild inconveniences if I can put it mildly, uh, <laughs> mild inconveniences, mildly. Um, because have, <laughs> yeah, because we had, um, yeah, because we had the we had the match against Zelina Vega at Backlash, mm-hmm. which was was kind of like a nice sort of nice match for Vega, but ultimately it was like results never in mm-hmm. question. We had Night of Champions where Natalia got obliterated in thirty seconds, um, and then had an actual match for the championship on Raw. Um, other than that, I don't recall any other kind of major championship feeds is like this one's been kind of bubbling in the background for a couple of weeks so i think is... a lot of it as well is that Rhea has kind of been tied up with dom related stuff yes and jumping back and forth between mm. raw smackdown and nxt i mean she had a really good match with leo valkyrie as well on nxt as well okay. so it's kind of like again i think that was a championship defense as well mm. um so it's like it's like Rhea's been getting stuff to do, but it's just kind of like we haven't really had like substantial kind of side of things, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully 
the Raquel matches will probably will probably have have a couple of these, mm. which might be fun. Who knows? And then I think the only match we have left to talk about is uh, recently added. It is a tag team championship match between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and the Judgment Day, who are still bickering. Which means and they're probably going to win. Possibly. Maybe. <laughs> with the, with J- so JD is going to win with JD assistance, possibly. <laughs> so the, the reason I say they're probably going to win is because we've just talked about an event where two best friends win the tag team titles together and then go on to like have the main event mm. over like the world title. It's not too, it's obviously not exactly the same. And it's two friends bickering with each other, <clears throat> pardon me, who could win the tag team titles and are then sort of having to then feud over who gets the opportunity for the world title and such. Yes. I could see it happening, but I'd much rather Owens and Zayn still retain. But given, I think Owens was out for a little bit with injury and it feels yeah. like there just hasn't been much going on with Owens and Zayn, I could see the Judgment Day winning just to put the focus more on them and their overall story going on. There was a small ultimatum on Raw from Rhea telling them everyone in the Judgment Day better have gold by the end of payback, otherwise there will be problems. So, Because Dom's still an NXT champ, isn't he? Yeah, he's a North American champion. So I think if any of the belts are going to change, I can see the tag team belts changing here. Um... And maybe that's help from JD Madonna coming mm. in as the person who's so desperately trying to get in Judgment Day. So mm. it's like I, I think dynamics of Judgment Day are going to probably change over the couple couple of months, and maybe it starts here. Maybe mm. JD helps Judgment Day win the belts and kind of slowly pushes out Damien Priest. Possibly, mm. who knows? I don't know, but yeah, I think I I personally will probably see a, a, a Sammy and a Kevin retention but mm. i think from a storyline i think the storyline perspective and, and opportunities probably stronger with judgment day winning the tag belts mm. so yeah and that is payback in a mm. quick nutshell well there we go i mean when it comes to so let's just talk about it sort of on air as it were folks there is also all out happening but quite frankly mm. there's only like three or four matches announced so we're not going to do a preview of that because chances are after dynamite that airs tonight at the time of recording there will likely be some more stuff added and also given quite frankly the lack of clarity on the situation involving cm punk we don't know if he's even gonna be on the show but various signs point to saying he's not going to be so it's pretty far easier just for us to actually discuss the show after it's happened quite yeah. frankly yeah um, and it, it i hate to say it like this but i feel like all out's becoming a bit of an afterthought after all in which, which is always is, the danger quite frankly well, and I and I thought originally the danger was going to be all in was going to be an afterthought because all out's the big one in Chicago. But obviously, mm. as this past weekend has told us, all in has clearly been the bigger show out of the two. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's very weird that we are a couple of days from the show and we only have four out of a usual nine or ten match card, or even eleven if you ter- if if you a card being announced and it's it's weird and. At the moment, it's like I, I I keep remembering that all apps this weekend, and it's like, oh, all right, <laughs> yeah, literally, it's like it's like, and there is a wrestling show, and the thing is, it's probably going to be a great show. I'm really looking forward to it'll seeing probably, it. It'll probably be fine. It mm. probably will be fine as a as a show, and hopefully they're building up on a couple of storylines. Done it all in, fine, absolutely fine. But yeah, it just 
if they're gonna if they're gonna for twenty twenty four, they're gonna do the same thing again of all in, all out within the space of a week. Mm. I, I think a bit more structure is possibly needed. Yeah. Maybe rather than kind of pull your I I can get I can understand why they've put all the eggs in the all-in basket because obviously they need this show to work and mm-hmm. it did work. But moving forward, maybe maybe they're a little bit more aware of what's going on one show and what's going on the other. Because mm-hmm. then because then you're not sat, sat here. What we're on Wednesday now, Wednesday the 30th of August. We're not sat here a few days ahead going, well, what, what would be the main event? And a lot of the matches were announced on the actual post-show media scrum. Yeah. As it was. Yeah. So that's sort of um, the way that's worked out. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine a, a sudden challenger for MGF's world title turning up. There might be a Ring of Honor tag team championship match. You never know. That could happen. Maybe, but, although, isn't, isn't Max in theory in Paris? I think. But, yes. Yes, there's, there is a video of him on a scooter in Paris. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, yeah, it, it just seems a bit of an afterthought, really, yeah, which it, is it, a it, shame. It, yeah, it is what it is. With that being said, then, I think we're going to wrap up here for today, everybody. But thank you very much for listening and or watching, be you on your podcast provider of choice or on YouTube. If you enjoy the show, why not tell a friend that if you feel so inclined, why not hit the subscribe button too? We'd really appreciate it. And if you were at, if you were at all in, that was really difficult to say for some reason, why not tell us what you thought of, of the show as a whole, be you watching on TV or your own experience in the stadium? You can let us know in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube, or you can tell us via Twitter or Cross or X, whatever the heck it's called this week, using the account's name at Bunkermania UK. But good sir, if people want to reach out to us for another form of contactability, which is a weird word, I'm just going to carry on saying what I'm saying. What's the best way they can do that? Well, they can kangaroo a kick of emails over to contact at bunkermania.com. It's not an easy making segue out moves, but I think I made it work. Hey, at least you didn't say the word contactability. You know, what the heck does that mean? You know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But folks, with that being said, from myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, the decadent Mr. Ian Bolton, we'll be back very soon with another podcast. So stay tuned and we'll talk to you again very soon. And look out. It's swing! Never gonna live that down.